0: We're gonna play Pictionary. Who's ready? Dale, you're up. I'm just kidding. How's everybody doing today? Yeah? Okay. Freezing? Is it cold? Last week, last week I thought I was given such an inspiring message because I saw couples that were snuggled up next to each other and then like I was like man I'm nailing it today and it's awesome and then Julie goes Chad everyone was freezing and they were trying to get warm and I'm like thanks babe uh, we're at, we're we're closing in on chapter 5 and and today um today the, the next three verses we look at for today are verses that, as we unpack them, are verses and as we un- the unpacking of it has changed Julie and I's marriage. And so as we unpack this and as we get into this, these particular things that I'm going to share with you today uh, are things that Julie and I implement in our marriage to gain better understanding of what, what this, this scripture looks like. Because a lot of times I think we can read scripture, and one of the common themes that I get back is, "Okay, great, Chad, that's what scripture says, but what does it look like in real life? Show me what it looks like as I live it out." And so we're gonna go to go to Ephesians chapter five, and we're gonna jump into uh, Ephesians five thirty-one to thirty-three, and it reads this: "Therefore a man, <clears throat> excuse me, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother." And hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how it has the power to change our lives. And because it can change our lives and because it can do something new in our hearts as we are open to your leading and we're open to, open to what you have for us, Lord, I pray, Father, for today to be that for us. Lord, that um, whether we are in a relationship or one day we will get to a point where we're in a relationship um, with, with somebody, Lord, that we would take what your word says and apply it. We would live it out we would allow it to change the way we think, change the way we act, change the way we engage um, with those that that you have given to us. And so, Father, I I pray for your presence here. I pray for you to speak. I pray for healing where healing needs to happen. I pray for reconciliation when reconciliation needs to happen. I pray, Father, for a boldness that um, you put in us, to make things right that need to be made right, a boldness to step out to in order to uh, do what you have called us to do, a softness to receive what you have for us to receive. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, one of the things I want to start off with is kind of give you a recap. For the past few weeks or past two weeks, if you haven't gone and listened to the messages, I encourage you to do so. The first week we opened up, or in this particular portion of Ephesians, we opened up and we kind of said, look, we kind of encouraged and challenged the women on this whole submit thing and what that looks like. And we defined submit as this is that I'm going to surrender control. or my need to control my husband and so when we surrender this control or my need to try to control my husband something happens and so we, we, we defined it as that. We went on, and la- the next week we talked about men loving wives and what happens as a result of that. And that we are, as men, called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And we unpacked that in, in, in some pretty significant ways. And so you can go back and listen to that. But there's this, this final piece that takes place in Ephesians that is so very much important to both the man and the woman in the marriage relationship and that covenant relationship. And so, with that, I, I want to say that um, some of you may sit there and say, "Well, Chad, I've been married 50 years, or 40 something years, or 70 years, or whatever." Um, I had a gentleman after t- after show, opening this up, who had been married in his, up at the 40 years, said, "I wish that someone would have taught me this when I first got married." And so one of the things, the benefits that you guys get uh, is this, is that not only do, am I your pastor, but I'm also a mental health counselor who specializes in marriage. And so with that, you're getting something a little extra today. But I want you to know why, how it applies to Scripture. So I'm not just going to give you a teaching, but it's it's actually coming from Scripture and how we can unpack it and look at it and make it relevant to today and what it looks like in our lives. So... The first thing I want us to understand is it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. So now what does this mean? Well, how does this look like? What, how do we apply this? And uh, my wife, who is gracious enough to uh, help me out today, is going to come up here, and I'm going to show you what holding fast looks like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... There's there's this image when you go to Genesis, and actually this particular verse is not just in Ephesians. It's in Genesis. Jesus talks about it in Matthew. and and So it's, it's running throughout Scripture, this particular piece. Now here's how I see it. And you guys can agree or disagree with me, but when I open Scripture and I read it, this is what I see. There was a part when Adam was put to sleep, and a rib was taken from his side, and Eve was created. After that particular piece, Adam was awoken and Eve was brought, brought to Adam. I want you to picture this. In any marriage ceremony, what usually happens? There's this time when the groom's up there and if he has a good best man, his best man is saying what, Rob? We got time to run. (laughs) The, The car's running and there's a back door that no one's blocked off. We can go. And so there's this piece that happens, and I did it because that's how he blessed me at my wedding, is these particular things that brothers do. And so one of the things that's very important, you see this image of the bride coming down to the, to the groom. And in this particular piece, when we, when we look at this and capture this, and here's, here's my heart in all of this, guys. I need you to understand this. There are so many of us that right now, there are not so many, there are some of us in a marriage relationship that we're so closed off to what God could do in our marriage that we're not open to it and there's some hurt and some stuff that's going on. Or let's just be, say it this way, we're, we're okay with the status quo. As long as my favorite TV show is that 70s show. And I'll never forget Red Foreman looking at his, his, uh, his kids and saying, as long as I can go to sleep in peace at night, it's a good day. But there's something more to marriage than just going to sleep in peace at night. And so there's this bride that gets brought down, and there's this gift that's being brought to the groom. And how we receive that gift is so important. So much so that that God from the very beginning says, A man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife. Now see... Some of you are uncomfortable right now. I'm not. This is probably the most comfortable I've ever been in given a message. The good news, Dale, is she can't run because I'm holding fast. There's this piece in it that gives you a great picture of what it means. Now, can Julie and I walk around like this all day? No. They would just look goofy. We wouldn't get anything accomplished. But there's this image that he says, hold fast. This, this piece that he says, look, hold on to her. And notice the natural response is not Julie to do this, right? Her natural response is to do what? Now, who's got the mic? Chad, did we put it up? Thank you, Mike. So I asked Julie this. There you go. When we're doing this, (laughs) and I'm holding fast, how does that lead you to feel? Let me do this.
1: (laughs) Well, well, let me. Um, I feel safe and secure, loved, comfortable. Warm. 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 (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm a very warm individual. <laughs> but these are the pieces that, that, that is so important. Now, some of you sit here and say, well, we're, I'm not a hugger, or I'm not a touchy-feely person. Um, your preference in this in a marriage doesn't matter. <laughs> you're, you're, like, it doesn't, like, short of them abusing you, like that piece, right, that that particular piece, because there is so much power in this. Do you know that if you hug your spouse for longer than 60, six, for 60 seconds, for longer than six seconds, you can relieve stress in their life?
1: It's true. Go yeah. ahead. I was going to say, our thing is when he comes home from a day, one of the things that makes him feel loved is when we embrace, but you almost feel the tension kind of, you know, leave your shoulders and you kind of sink in after those six seconds. Same thing with a kiss, too.
0: Yes. The ki- the kiss is where it's at. So listen. And we're if, not demonstrating. If, if we're not demonstrating that. Dang. But here's the thing. Whether it's a hug or whether it's a kiss, if you're, if you're going to try this, do not do this. One, two, three, four, five. Doesn't work. The tension arises. It's not, so anyway, that particular piece, that that holding fast. Now, this particular piece runs through Scripture, not only from the very beginning in Genesis, but Jesus says it. And then again, here Paul comes back to this piece of holding fast. Now, there's a piece that we left out here there's the father and mother piece, and and I'm not going to have mom and dad come up here, but there's this piece where our, our relationship, my relationship with mom and dad was, was very important. But because my mom and dad did a great job in raising me to do what? Leave the house. <laughs> that, that, that they were trained, like if you don't understand this, like our job as parents is to train our kids to leave, leave. to go. And, and, my, and my parents did a great job of training me that at some point I needed to leave the house. Now here's what's very interesting. Is, it says this, a man shall leave his father and mother. That relationship, and, and you have to go back to biblical times, because that relationship between a son and his father and his mother was probably a very, it was not probably, it was a very important relationship. There was so much tied to that relationship back in biblical times that, that it, it means a lot more than it does today. However, what I'm learning today is that a lot of times one of the spouses in a relationship has a hard time leaving their mother and father. Okay, I didn't have to say it. Sweet. So one of the things <laughs> So one of the things that's interesting is how that gets played out. And how it gets played out is this, is Julie and I, we'd have a tough decision to make. And one of the things that we have been blessed with is her dad is a builder, and so a lot of times he's been able to build a couple houses with us or for us. We've had to pay for them, but he's built them, ready. Right? So uh, in, in this particular process, but one of the biggest things that we dealt with early on was what?
1: Whenever there was conflict, I would always be like, well, I think we should call my dad. Or I would just call my dad and see what my dad suggested.
0: And so to me, that became very offensive. And there was a lot of anger and bitterness that grew in my heart towards her and towards her folks. And so one of the things in this particular piece is, and it's just not the bride that does it, it's also the man. He, there's this relationship that you go back and you can go back to mom and dad and you're trying to get wisdom and you're trying to get all this stuff, but it doesn't say that. He says, hold fast, leave and hold fast. Now that doesn't mean that I don't go to my mom and dad and ask questions. That doesn't mean that I cut off a relationship with my parents. My dad is one of the wisest guys I know. And so when I'm wrestling with something, I, when Julie and I talk about it, I'll throw it by him. But case in point, when I, s- I said, we're going to plant a church, I went to dad and mom. I said, hey, we're planting a church. And my dad's greatest wisdom he ever gives me is, you're crazy. <laughs> you, why would you do that? Listen, there's nothing wrong with that particular piece, but it can't, you cannot allow that to control you and dictate what you do. This is where it's at once she's given to you as a gift. Once he's given to you as a gift, this is where the decision-making happens. This is where the real life hits. How you raise your kids how you discipline your kids, how you manage your household, how you do things. This is where it's at. This is the conversation that in that holding fast piece that it comes back to. If this is not there, if you're not holding fast to your spouse because of whatever reason, yes, there will be tension and there will be a need to go find somewhere else to do this. Now let's talk about this. Julie, Julie um, mentioned three things. Three things. What did she say? Do y'all remember? When she's being held, how does she? What were the three things? What was it? I changed uh, love to value. There's three things in holding fast that make a marriage rock solid. If I can help provide for my wife's safety, security, and value, it changes everything. If she, if she can help provide for my value, notice I don't get my value from her, but she can show me that I'm valuable in that relationship. If, if there's value of safety and security in there, guess what I never do? I never go outside the marriage looking for someone to provide that for me because it's here. And that's where it needs to happen. So let's define value. Last week, guys, I gave you two questions, sent them out to you in an email, and said, ask your wife these two questions. And for all of you that actually did it, I'm proud of you. For those that you that wives responded with, stop talking to Chad, um, <laughs> we're fine. Keep at it. Things will change. So with this particular piece, I had two questions on this piece, and it had to do with the love piece. How do you feel loved? How do you not feel loved? And so one of the things that that, that Julie and I talk about, so we talk about this piece and value. Um, One of the things that Julie and I talk about is how do I feel valued? And so I asked her this question this week. I said, what do you think you do that shows me that I'm valuable to you?
1: But showing up um, at the door um, or shortly thereafter when he gets up or gets home from work, giving him an embrace, saying hello, acknowledging that he's here um, is one thing. Um, I pack his lunch sometimes in the morning um, or fix his breakfast. I think that's something that helps him feel appreciated and valued. There's one other thing I can't remember. Uh, one thing I used to do, but it's becoming a little bit harder now that his shoulders are becoming more broad. But whenever I go out and, you know, shop for the kids or myself or something like that, and I'd bring them a new shirt home, um, that was one thing. But usually I'd have to bring like three or four home, and hopefully one out of the three or four would fit. But
0: it's true. <laughs> when you're a big boy, that's what happens. One of the biggest things, and, and I didn't tell you this, one of the biggest things, because I know you hate this, like this right here, <laughs> like <laughs> this is not her deal, um, but one of the biggest pieces that shows, shows me that I'm valuable to you is that you're willing to step out of your comfort zone, and you're willing to do things I know <laughs> you don't want to do, but you see value in it, and that's because of me, and so thank you for that. There's another piece, too, because this past three years has been amazing. And uh, through these past three years, just you walking alongside me, um, giving me space to to pursue God and giving me space to go after what his calling is in my life has been huge. And because of that, I know you value me. And I feel that by the way we interact in our conversations and just walking alongside. So thank you for that. You are an amazing woman. Um, so, let's, so let's define, because how many times when we look at this safe and secure piece, do we say, Chad, that's the same word, right? It's not. It's different. Um, one of the things that, let's define safe. And let's define secure. Safe is this. Safe is that Julie has um, permission to be herself with me. She has permission to open up to me. She has permissions to tell me, uh, hey, you know what? You're kind of ticking me off right now. And I know that's hard to believe, but yes, your pastor does tick his wife off on a lot of occasions. She has permission. She has that. She can, she is, is, is free to come and talk to me about things going on. And here's the kicker. I feel safe enough with her to go and do the same thing. To say, I'm struggling. Or I'm wrestling with this. Or I'm not sure about this. And there's this safe piece that we feel. See, a lot of times we look at this word. Can y'all read that? Someone said Corey should be up here writing, but I'm going to try it. What's this word? No, we're good. Can y'all read that? Read it fast. One more time. True intimacy. Is not what happens in the bedroom. True intimacy is when you're actually looking into, she can see into me. She can look into what's going on in here. I can see what's going on in her. And I can be able to see what's, if something's wrong, if something's off. That is true intimacy. When you feel safe enough with your spouse to be able to open up about things, to be able to, to share about things, that is what true intimacy is. It's not this piece that we define in our society, but it's this piece. And when we can do that, we can say, you know what, I feel safe. And so we talked about this too. Um, And so I'm just trying to model for you how these conversations go. And so what are some ways that, that I help you feel safe? Other than bringing you up here. We didn't <laughs> of how you helped me the the when we were on vacation and uh we were at that uh airport restaurant, and the kids were off goofing off or whatever they were doing. I meeting new friends um you gave me space to share with you what was going on in my life, um even though it was at the end of vacation. You just listen that was it? The other thing, too, is when I lose, um, and I know this is hard to to believe, but when I lose my temper, you're one that um, comes alongside and you quietly either tag me out with the kids or you remind me of what's most important, but you don't condemn me. You don't sit there and hold it against me. And I probably that's the biggest thing that you help me to do is feel safe, is when I mess up, you forgive me. And allow me um, to make those mistakes and you don't keep account like I don't hear you ever get historical with me meaning you don't go back to the past and say well Chad you did this this and this on this date that doesn't happen so therefore I feel safe to be able to make mistakes and and be me.
1: Well I guess I would kind of ditto that I mean in the sense of you know when I feel like you come along and parent you know with me as far as and I don't know, I just feel like you you have my back. We are able to have open conversations about things. Um, I am able to share from my heart things that I'm struggling with. Um, yeah, and I don't feel like I'm looked at in a way of... I don't know. But yeah, there's an openness to you to where... And I just appreciate you having these conversations with me. I think that's showing a lot of vulnerability in you um, to where then I do feel safe to be able to share what's going on with me. And I think I've appreciated over the past couple years you taking that step of initiative to start these conversations with me, to open up more and to share more of what's going on with you than to allow myself to share.
0: This last one is secure. We're going to define secure as, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. That's the best way I can put it. When security is in a relationship, you know your partner's not going anywhere. You feel secure in it. They're not exiting. They're not going anywhere. And this particular piece um, with Julie and I, um, we have regular reminders about this, talks about it. And I know that may sound weird, but we actually tell each other, I'm not going anywhere. When we get into arguments, what's our biggest, once we talked about this, what's one of the things we remind ourselves a lot when we get into arguments and tiffs and things of that nature?
1: Well, a conversation we had early on was just, you know, just a reminder that we're on the same team. The end goal is the same. And so I think when we do have disagreements or arguments, we do kind of have that common ground that we know we love each other, we know what the common goal is, and then it allows for – you know, more open discussion as far as, and for me to maybe set aside my wants and my needs and to really listen to what he has. So
0: So these are the things that we talk about, the things that we go over, the pieces that we, uh, that holding fast, that holding fast creates such a A God-given relationship that with that it makes a huge impact in our world and so this is three things that we can ensure within that relationship as we hold on to one another as we cling to one another as we hold fast to one another that if I look at it for these three things and I come back to them I promise you the result would be that you start to trust one another and that your marriage grows if you start taking any one of these three out What will happen is there will be cracks in your marriage, and eventually trust will be broken, and then the marriage will start to go down. And then you'll spend a lot of money sitting there talking to a guy like me or a girl who's helping you do it. But listen, pay attention to these three things. One of the things we wanted to do also today is there are certain things that that get in the way of our marriage. I call these um, arrows. uh, and these arrows come at us and they get in the way. They get in the way, they intrude, they, they, they start creating cracks in our foundation, in our marriage, they start getting in the way. One of my favorite things is, uh, we, we were talking about this, well, the first thing that, that has the potential to do it as we talked about this is our kids. Now one of my favorite things that Josh does, not really, it kind of ticks me off, but when I, when I hold Julie... Josh is very good about, he doesn't try to go through like here. Josh gets on his hands and knees and goes uh, through my legs or down, and then he tries to go up. (laughs) So which allows me to do this.
1: this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But kids kids have a, a tendency when we allow them, to get in the way, and, and notice, notice in today's society the, the idea of, well, I need to be buddies with my, we're not buddies. We can love our kids, we can be there for our kids, but we are not meant to be their buddy. We are meant to be their parent. When they grow up and they become adulthood, the relationship can change. But if there's a marriage relationship, there's nothing more important than this. So one of the kids, what was one of the things you came up with, babe?
1: Uh, well, we had talked about finances can be a problem sometimes. When you're not on the same page, when, um, you know, maybe saving or spending or, you know, the things that you're wanting to buy, you're not on the same page. So communication about finances. Yep.
0: The other one we put, and I, and I said this one, um, we put extended family. And here's what I mean by that, when extended family in-laws become the priority, and that could be brother, sister, that could be whatever it is, that when extended family become more important than your spouse, you have a problem. Um, There's an issue going on, because what happens is, is you don't go to each other. You can put friends in here, when close friends, when there's no break between friends And when that relationship comes, one of the things Julie and I don't do a lot of is we do not do a lot of guys' and girls' nights out. We do a lot of couples' nights out. It's just important. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with the guys' and girls' nights, but what happens is is this. If Julie's mad at me and she goes out with her girlfriends, guess what's the likelihood to come up? How mad she is at me. When what should be happening is, is, if she's mad at me, what should you do?
1: I should be talking to you about it.
0: Exactly. Um, so this is a piece that that can happen with the extended family. When this becomes a priority and not your own family, one of the best things my parents have done for for me, for us is they give us permission, they've given us permission to be our own family. to say this is how you are, this is what's going on. this and, and we we have that right. so we we do we we set plans for how we do holidays. we all these different things. Um, but that becomes our time and our family and what, and that, what else, we?
1: Uh, we talked about extracurricular, like, activities, whether that's playing golf, whether it's going out, um, and meeting friends after work, um, sometimes those things can interfere with the quality time or the expectation the spouse may have.
0: Yep. um. And so you've got to figure out what these look like for you. There's nothing wrong with the, the, the idea that I need to go and blow off steam and all that. That's not what we're talking about. When these particular pieces, a spouse says, I have an issue or I don't feel connected, how are we making that change to make sure that they're, uh, we're allowing them or helping them feel this particular way? So again, Scripture says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. See, when I provide for Julie's value, when I help provide for her value, her safety and her security, something amazing happens. Go on to the next verse. It says this. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. See? Thanks, babe. What happens in the marriage is this. This mystery piece that, God, that was written all throughout Ephesians is this. There's something that's revealed as we walk out what God has for us. There's something that's revealed when we start doing things the way God designed them. There's something that is, that is shown when we, start, when we start doing things the way God wants. And so what happens in all of this, the mystery in all of this, is the, this, this process that he takes us through to show who he truly is. And so when he talks about this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church, I want us to understand this, is that because Christ loved the church so much, he gave his life up for the church. He set the church apart for something amazing, for something to be accomplished. Because Christ loved the church so much, because of what he did, he has a special plan for what the church is supposed to accomplish. In the same way when we talk about the marriage Covenant that takes place, there is a mystery that is revealed when we start doing things the way God has us to do them. When I leave my father and mother and I hold fast to my wife, this mystery starts to get revealed. And here's what gets revealed a couple, a relationship that is strong and cannot be broken. A relationship with both people in that relationship feel loved, they feel valued, they feel safe, they feel secure. And you know what happens in that piece? Guess what happens when you're in a relationship with like that, your confidence builds. You start to be able to take on things you didn't think you could because someone has your back. You're doing things that you didn't know you could do. Why? Because in that relationship, something takes place and something amazing happens out of it. This mystery piece, the same reason why Christ gave his life for the church is because when we start doing things as a church the way Christ wants us to do it, this light starts shining in this world and things start happening and lives get changed. The same thing can be said about this mystery. of of marriage is that when we start doing things the way God wants us to do it, lives get changed and God gets revealed in this world. And that's where it happens. And that's why we do it. And that's why this is so important. See, when I realize the ramifications of Julie and I's relationship, I realize that Christ gets shown into this world. And the mystery of what he had, and this all this piece is revealed to those around me. If we want our kids, if we want those people that we that we love, that the children, to see what a real strong marriage looks like, we shouldn't have to point over here. We should just be able to model it for them, and watch it. One of the most, Dad and I go on a golf outing every year. And one of the things that I, I loved watching happen a couple years ago was some of the guys that um, dad was on, uh, in leadership with, they were, they were entering this empty nest phase. You remember this, Pop? And they looked at you and said, What's the key to transitioning in this empty nester phase? And he goes, Well, it's quite simple. If you don't know dad, he's a man of few words. He goes, It's quite simple. When your wife's your best friend, it doesn't matter when the kids leave your best friend's right there. See, that's the piece I'm talking about. When we start modeling this for our kids, things change. So when I realize the ramifications of our relationship, we go on in the last part of this. Verse 33 says, however, each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband now we, we've talked about this piece of love and we've unwrapped that what it means to love our wives and how we need to ask these questions. The more specific we get with our spouse, the better off it will be. The more we actually lay out what this looks like for us, the better off our relationship will be. It goes on and says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. See, there's two parts that need to be played. And when the wife does her part and the, and the husband does his part, this is where the change happens. If we're in a relationship and we're waiting for our spouse to do their part before we do ours, we're missing the point. We'll never get anywhere. We've got to be willing to do our part. See, as a man, I need to be willing to love my wife the way she needs to be loved. I need to come back and ask these hard questions that leave us a little vulnerable. You know where the vulnerability is? Is when it's out on the table and I have to decide whether I actually want to fulfill it or not. I have to decide whether I want to be passive or be action-oriented. When it's out on the table and I can see it, and I can say, well, do I want to do that or do I not? In me is this passive piece as a man that says, you know what, things are comfortable and I can sleep at night, but I want something better. So I better start walking this out. Same thing, let the wife see that she respects her husband. What does that mean to your husband? What does that mean to your husband? Have you asked him? What does it mean for me to respect you? You'll never know what that means, and you'll try these things day in and day out trying to figure it out, and it may mean nothing. Go and talk to him. So there's three things in this piece. I need to make sure that my wife's a priority. I need to realize, or my spouse is a priority. I need to realize the ramifications of my marriage, and I need to choose to do our part. The best thing I can encourage you guys with tonight is put this bubble around your marriage, and around your marriage, there's this piece that I'm going to help my wife feel, my spouse feel safe. I'm going to help them feel secure, and I'm going to do everything in my power to help them feel valued. And when I do that, we hold on tight to one another, and watch how your marriage is protected, and watch the light that shines from your marriage. It will change your home, it will change your life. And the ramifications keep going on generation after generation. So what can actually cause the impact in this? And we talked about these arrow pieces Julie and I laid out. By the way, there's a lot more arrows in our lives than we laid out. um, But these are the ones we've shared with you today. Go to James 3.16. It reads this. James 3.16 says this. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder in every vile practice. Think about the state of marriage today in our society. Because of selfishness on one part or the other, because of this particular piece that's going on in marriage right now, marriages across our country, because of this, because of selfishness for this exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. The marriage won't look like it's supposed to look. There will be chaos in it. Spouses will be going elsewhere to look for the, the things that they need. It's not what God intended. So there's a peace in of us that says, you know what? I want to do what I want to do, and I just want to be selfish right now. Can I encourage you with this? If that's a part of your heart, if that's a part of you, can I ask you during our prayer time that you come clean with it? And you lay it before God and say, I don't want to be selfish anymore. I want to be exactly who you've called me to be. And I want my marriage to be exactly the way you've designed it to be. Lord, help me to hold on to my spouse like no other. Because when we do that, the impact of that flows into this world flows into our kids, flows into generations to come because of what we choose to do with what God has told us to do and the way he designed it. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness, Lord. I thank you for an amazing wife who is willing to, to, to be uncomfortable, to share about things going on in our own life and things that we wrestle with and things that we deal with. Lord, that that you have designed something for our marriage, and I pray that not only for ours, but for those marriages that are here today. Lord, as I pray that sometimes selfishness will set into my heart, and I want things done the way I want them, and I want things done quickly or whatever it is, Lord, that I would surrender that to you. I would allow you to work in my life. I would allow you to see my wife the way that you want me to see her, through your lens, Lord, that selfishness does not play a part in our marriage, but sacrifice and love and doing everything in my power to provide for her safety, her security, and her value. Mm -hmm. Knowing, Lord, that it's not all about me, but, Lord, you've put us there as helpmates, you've put us there as partners, and as we hold on, hold fast to one another, out of that particular holding on, Lord, you are glorified. Because that's what you called us to do. And when we hold on to one another, Lord, we become one, and that true intimacy happens in our life. And Lord, I pray that for marriages at Light Point today. I pray, Father, that you would work in amazing ways, that no matter how newly wed we are or how long we've been married, Lord, we would take what you have given us and we would apply it to our marriages today knowing and believing, Lord, that you will transform them into marriages that make an impact in our world for your glory and your glory alone. And I ask this in Christ's holy name, amen. So as we respond today, there's some communion tables to the side. Feel free to go and take communion and remember what Jesus did for us. There's offering bins in the back and you can give an offering. Or Maybe you just need prayer over your marriage today or over relationships today. So you can go over and you can offer a prayer request into that or you can bring an offering of what God, a portion of what God's given to you. And a tithe, you can give that back as well in those offering bins. You can stand and sing with us as we sing this last song. And then also, maybe there's something you need prayer over. Joyce and Rob, sorry, Phil left, okay. Joyce and Rob will be over here and be happy to pray with you guys over anything. So you respond how God leads. Can I just say this real quick? If you're in a marriage right now and you're struggling, I don't know who you are and I don't know what it is, and the tendency is to make up every excuse why you don't go get help. You have a pastor that loves you, and can help you break free from that rut you're in. There's a reason why God, God, for whatever reason, had me go to a school for as long as I did and send a guy who hates school to go back to school. You don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to do it alone. And maybe you have a family member that's doing it. Guys, encourage them to go talk to somebody encourage them to to, to take an action step to make things right my door is always open, You can always find time and there's no reason why you have to do this alone because God designed our marriages for something amazing he did there's a reason why he gifted us our spouse and we can see something amazing come out of it so don't sit in silence Pull me aside, slip a note in, whatever, let me know. And I'm happy to walk with you. And if you don't want your pastor, I got plenty of friends that I know are really solid that can help you out. I love you guys. Let's stay and respond how God leads.